0: Transmission incoming. Welcome, Welcome to the Potemkin Picture. Picture Show. Let's do it.
1: Episode 0065, Choosing Clues. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, and I'm here to tell you this podcast may contain mature language. So if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, well, just keep that in mind. You may want to stop now or, you know, loosen up a little bit a little bit and plunge in forward we are continuing on in september our introduction of back to school movies all movies related to school school age kids um, things of that nature i recently read a article in vulture that ranked their top 10 high school movies of all time, and it gave me some ideas of some other movies that I may add in later on, such as uh, Dead Poet Society, which might match up very well with School of Rock. So we have poetry and we have rock music, so that might be a bonus episode. We might have to squeeze in a couple bonus episodes in September. It'll be a very busy month, but in a way, since we're not going to the movies as much, it won't be that busy. Although I think on Friday I'm going to go see that new M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Visit, because I will and no one wants to see it with me. Anyway, on today's episode, we will be tackling the school movies Clueless and Election. We'll be tackling those in feature presentation. Cocktail Corner, we have a new cocktail of my own invention, and we have a few other things to talk about. So let's head into the VIP booth at the top of the cantina and get today's show started. Here I am on my double-decker pillows in the VIP booth at the top of the cantina. I am here with my sipping beverage, and I'm sitting here with my shot of tequila. It is a Blanco tequila sitting within a Holland shot glass. Also with me, sitting across from me, is the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. She likes the Sierra, she likes to organize, and she likes the club. Her name is Heathen. Hello. She has lots to say.
2: I would like to congratulate Jackie. She just accepted the new event organizer of the Sierra Nevada
0: Movie Club.
1: Yeah, if you're in Sierra Nevada and you'd like to be part of the movie club, come be an organizer because our organizers typically don't do shit for the most part. It's really pulling teeth with these people. That's why Heathen and I have taken a step back to relax because with some groups, you've got your treasurer, You've got your secretary. You've got your vice president. With us, uh, we just have basically they're almost the same as regular people because they still need to be told what to do constantly, which means that they're not really cabinet members, with the exception of uh, Wishing Wells is pretty good at putting up her riff track stuff and and so on and so Mm. forth.
2: As soon as I made Jackie the event host, she was like, oh, I can do this all on my own. Yeah. (laughs) She was pretty excited. Anyway,
1: I don't think most people care about that. I do have, uh, we usually have sipping beverages, um, and I do have one in front of me. It is rather late here for our podcast. I like to do the daytime podcast so I can read my notes, but we are here in the sultry night, and I probably won't shoot this. A lot of times you don't sip... uh, blanco tequila blanco tequila is everything is well i don't know maybe 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 some people like to sip uh well i was going to say usually use like the blanco um with your you know when you make um like margaritas but it is sort of the rawer typically of the te- te- tequilas and maybe that's why people like to, to to sip them they haven't they haven't aged or rested or anything so you're getting a lot of flavors up front Mm, I can really taste that pina. How about you, Hian? Mm. I'm getting used to the taste now. Now that I spilled a bunch of it in my, into my beard, it is—it does have a very sweet taste.
2: I was wondering where you put it because I was sipping mine while you are sipping your. When second, you
1: when third you one? when you um, when you get over the burn. Anyway, if you're new to the podcast, or you just want an excuse to drink because you know the rules, anytime you hear a sound about hitting a baby. Uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby. That means you drink along with us. Um, I do have a traditional sipping beverage, which is a beer. This is Morimoto Black Obi Soba Ale from Rogue Breweries, I think this is. Um, if you're not familiar with soba, um, you can find soba noodles when you go eat Korean food sometimes. They're usually a, a cold noodle. Um, I think some teas. There's some soba tea. They have like a very earthy taste to them. This. And
2: I thought it was the Sobe tea that he was talking about. So,
1: um, It goes interestingly well with my tequila. So anytime you hear the sound about hitting a baby, drink along with us. Or make up your own drinking games like some listeners have. We should probably start making up some of our own. Like anytime I say, um, we should drink. Anytime Matt says, it's like, or it's kind of like, what's he say? It's, it's kind of like. Then we should drink. And anytime that you confuse opinion with fact, we should drink.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's fine to hit this, baby.
1: Well, I don't think I have anything else to say. So let's jump in on into the news. Are you ready?
2: Yeah, but you didn't ask me what my sipping oh, beverage was. Oh, what's your was. sipping beverage? It's a delicious LaCroix. Is that how you say it? I
1: think it's LaCroix.
2: LaCroix sparkling water.
1: That's the kind you like, because there's no sodiums in it.
2: No sodiums.
1: Mm-hmm. And I got the uh flavorless kind this time instead of the lime. I usually like the lime bubble water. Eh. I was ready for some just original.
2: So the new Harley Quinn. In the Suicide Squad, has gone from a tight-fitting jester costume to a more gritty punk look. Mm -hmm. Um, Dini, he was the original co-creator of her. From the cartoon, yeah. Um, he said that he believed that the classic look wouldn't work for the Suicide Squad's more realistic world. So that kind of, to me, made a little bit more sense because when I first looked at her, I was like, that doesn't even.
1: Yeah, because even, you know, the way Jared Leto's going with the Joker, he's not going with such a circus Joker. He's more going like a, like, e-taking aggro club Joker kind of thing. And, you know, these characters, well, Harley Quinn hasn't, but these characters, like the Joker, have been a a long. Around a long time, several artists and cartoonists and you know graphic novels have come out and taken different takes at them. So that was a lot of speculation among the comic book people is what um, version of the Joker was Heath Ledger going to take? And then when they started seeing pictures of him, they started thinking, well, okay, what comic arc is this going to come from? Because apparently there is a comic arc where the Joker is more of a yoked out kind of psychotic in a different way, a younger hipper more. And I think that's the way they're going. They're going more of like a mod squad, suicide squad, instead of, you know, I'm not sure. Sh- I, I, it looks like they're going for more of a teenage uh, audience than a below 12 year old audience. So getting away from the circus stuff. Although I think that's what a lot of people like Harley Quinn from though, is that kind of um, m- motley outfit.
2: True. I'm just glad that they at least came out with some kind of an explanation. Yeah, the directors as to ex- why.
1: explained why, and I didn't read it. Um, recently, here in Reno, there is someone making a Harley Quinn fan film that I volunteered to help with, and they've put out a little bit of footage of their version of Harley Quinn. They said we are not going the Suicide Squad way, specifically. And her outfit for this movie is is more traditional Harley Quinn.
0: Hmm.
1: So.
2: Kung Fu Panda 3 has made some big changes to its casting lineup within like only four months to its uh, big screen release, Rebel Wilson. How many
1: months they're changing? Four months. They're, okay. Well, I guess it's not that hard to just go in. There. So they have all the animation done. They're just going to go in and redo the voices.
2: But Rebel Wilson was the character of Mei Mei. It's the lead romantic mm-hmm. character. Um, she's gonna be replaced by Kate Hudson, I guess. Rebel Wilson had some um, scheduling conflicts.
1: You think they'd be able to work around that, especially? Well, I guess when you're doing animation, you really have to be there in the studio to do it. You can I was thinking, for like musicians and things, you can you can do stuff on the road. And it's a little bit easier. I mean, at midnight, you can record lines, but I guess in this way, you really have to be where the animation is to, to sync things up. That's too bad because I think her voice would be more interesting as a counterpoint to Jack Black's Poe than... Um, I don't
2: know. I, I think that Kate Hudson and, and Jack Black have worked together before too, haven't they?
1: I can't think of what that would be. Um,
2: or maybe I'm just excited to see what they can do. And nothing
1: not sure. wrong with Kate Hudson. It's just, you know, Rebel Wilson sounds like she'd be a fun, big, fat panda. Although, who ever heard of an Aussie or a new uh, Kiwi panda?
2: Well, she's my kitchen pass, so I'm excited. Who, anyway. Rebel Wilson? She's no, huge. Kate Hudson. Oh. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Anyway.
0: Um, oh, yeah.
2: I don't have any.
1: You already drank all your sparkling water?
2: I guess I could do that.
1: While you're doing that, I'll talk about one of my new stories. Well, not, because I don't know what your third story is, so (laughs) go ahead.
2: Well, this will be super exciting for you. Uh, Fifty Shades Darker... Oh, yeah? um, ...has been slowed to get off the starting blocks because they've had to replace the director... Of the Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Sam Taylor Johnson.
1: Hashtag not my Fifty Shades director.
2: <clears throat> I liked it, so
0: shut up. No,
1: I'm just... That was a thing. A lot of people on Twitter had hashtag not my Christian Grey. They didn't like James Dolan or whatever his name is as Christian. I liked it. I know you did. I'm just... That care. was explaining my joke to you.
2: People didn't understand the fucking book, obviously. Anyway, um, James Foley, who directed our one of our favorite movie shows wayward pines is going to be the new director so i'm kind of excited to see what he's going to come up with um
1: well usually i would talk shit about a television director coming up to direct a movie
2: no he's directed some other things too but that was just something that stuck out to me that he has directed because well, i was going to
1: say because it was where well, they came from park and wreck or whatever the two directors that came and directed um the captain america movie and well, then they're he's they're got
2: off. he's got some other bumps in the road he um, has bumps
1: in the road i'm sure he does if well, he's e. L. James probably another one
2: still wants to have control of the
1: well got to directing
2: up. Like, she wanted to for the first movie.
1: You gotta um, know when to be in control and when to be a submissive. That's the whole tale of the book.
2: Exactly. And also, both of the main characters didn't quite get along mm-hmm. that's for fine. the first movie. and We
1: heard about that with Fury Road, and it came out fine.
2: Well, I think that's actually good for the sexual tension. Mm-hmm. But, just my opinion. I think it was great.
1: But there are some stories, I mean we have seen some movies and I can't think of any T V shows, but there has been some movies where the characters absolutely have no chemistry at all on screen, which I heard was the case with this film as well. I'm not I'm not sure, but just I think
2: they had great chemistry mm. for I heard the opposite. Mm -mm. I heard that they
1: barely could even look at each other.
2: If you're looking for an S M role
1: I'm just saying sometimes you can feel the sparks fly on the screen, and sometimes you can't
2: mm, well, maybe they don't understand what that means then, or maybe I'm just I know what it feels of, like. I'm not sure anyway, that's my news.
1: I was going to add that they are uh you you a fan of the Patrick Swayze
2: I am a fan of the Patrick Swayze
1: you fan of the nineteen eighty nine film Roadhouse
2: I am a fan.
1: So they're uh, rebooting this film, um, which I wish they would just leave Patrick Swayze movies alone because they're all pretty because shitty. Because he's not there. Yeah. Like, well, they're well, not sp-
2: all pretty shitty. Well, Are you kidding me? Well, I
1: mean, the, the, the redoing Point Break is ridiculous. But this is redoing Roadhouse, and the reason I'm kind of okay with this is they're redoing it with Ronda Rousey. And oh. I think it's interesting to do the gender flip on it. Also, I'm curious to see if she can carry a movie so she's been in a bunch of movies um i started watching the last expendables movie she was in the ninja last ninja turtles movie she was i guess in the last entourage movie but she always has these little cameos where basically her job is to play a version of herself and just kick someone's ass so it would be interesting to see if they can write a part where she actually has a full character and see if she can act um she was really pushing to be in the marvel universe as miss marvel but i'd rather see her start out here because i'm not sold that she can can act act yeah. so i want to see that um it's interesting because in the last expendables movie she plays a bouncer that beats people up which is basically what roadhouse well he's like a guy that doesn't want to beat people up if i remember right he's like can't we all just get along and then he kicks ass he's like a gentle bouncer is that right i was never a very big fan i know that that's a really popular kind of cult movie with the patrick swayze fans roadhouse
2: I liked it, but can you be a gentle bouncer?
1: Yeah, you're like a, you know, like kind of a Buddhist. Like, hey, can we talk this out before we fight? Like, why but don't you, you have
2: to be like a really big like, black guy? Like,
1: why don't why don't you just buy him a drink and say you're sorry and you both go your separate ways, kind of thing? I don't know. I mean, you that's...
2: have to have that energy, I guess.
1: I know some bouncers that try to be that way, and you know,
2: you have to be like that big and. kind of
0: scary.
1: You usually do, and that's why it might be hard for Ronda Rousey. Um... There is a, a Christmas movie coming out I just watched the previews for. Ooh, mm-hmm. do tell. It's called Krampus. Do you know who the Krampus is? No. He's described as, in this preview, as Santa Claus's shadow. They have some kind of, there was a, a foreign movie that was about Krampus. Krampus is like the evil Santa Claus. He's existed probably longer than Santa Claus in like Norwegian folklore and things like that. He's the one that goes and punishes the bad children, burns them in fire and whips them and stuff. Thing I think is interesting about this movie—it stars Adam Scott and Tony Collette—is it's it looks like it's um, going to have a lot of humor and horror, kind of if you can think of like how Gremlins was or something like that, where it's kind of dark and dirty and things real, people really get killed, but then there's just this kind of weird because you know who Adam Scott is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> anyway, so that looks like it might be interesting. That comes out December fourth.
2: I did watch um, during my normal round of Christmas stuff the original, like how Santa Claus came and was kind of scary. Oh. It is kind of, he is. Well, yeah, a kind of a scary dude. Well, that yeah, yeah, because so, a lot of
1: that's probably the Krampus stuff. But yeah, like a yeah, lot I of the version he's... we see Santa Claus now uh, came from Coca Cola, yeah. like in the early 1900s, the red suit, definitely, and everything. Definitely,
2: but I think that's the definitely the Norwegian guy that I'm thinking of, and he had a black uh, elf, right?
1: Oh, I don't know, and he would put kids in his bag and things like that. It was interesting because about a year ago, with our kind of local film director writing group up here. I had wanted to write a um, Christmas horror movie that was based around the Krampus, except for on a low budget, so we couldn't really show the Krampus too much. So I'm good. To, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're they're doing something with that. There has been other horror movies, um, Christmas related, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, things like that. But this one looks like it will be enjoyable for people that do like dark humor and a little bit of horror. I don't know how scary it's going to be, but it looks good. It looks like it's going to mash those two genres in a, in a enjoyable way that won't be for everyone because it will be pretty dark. I think, um, my last story, this kind of surprised me. China approved the first ever screening of a film about a gay relationship inside China, because China's, as everyone knows, the stereotype has a lot of censorship and, um, It's really surprising. They only allow something like 32 foreign movies in every year. So for them, this to be one of them is is another surprise. It's called Seeking McCartney, and it centers on two gay men, one French and one Chinese. I think this was a joint production between the French and the Chinese. Um, So homosexuality, uh, it used to be criminalized, but they stopped doing that in 1997 in China. And it was also on a list of mental illnesses until 2001, which it is no longer on anymore. When I was in China, what I was kind of told or, or heard from the government was that Chinese people aren't homo or they don't uh, outlaw it anymore or make it illegal because no one in China is gay, which is funny because I was reading this fact about how there's probably like 32 million married gay men in China because it's very repressed that they have to hide their homosexuality because of persecuted or not getting that i mean it's not like iraq or something where they'll get killed but they won't get promotions or they'll get fired from their job so um kind of interesting that this is uh that china is so um usually very repressive in their media and they're going to have a foreign movie showing in china as one of their films about a gay couple
2: i'm just wondering if you're trying to take my news job
1: nope that's all I have to say. Let's head into Cocktail Corner.
0: I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake.
1: <laughs> Turns out I'm gonna need a bottle opener. So, in Cocktail Corner, um, we often do a movie related to the podcast, or the movie we saw, sorry. And we, can you get a bottle of winter? Yeah. Okay. So, I was going to do a drink called Clueless, a Clueless Cocktail. And the reason I didn't go with the Clueless Cocktail is that it was very similar to... It was very similar to the drink we did last week, the death of a virgin. The only difference was it was strawberry juice instead of lime juice. Um so we're doing a little bit different. This is a this is a cocktail of my own design and uh, frankly, I'm not completely happy with it. Um that's what we're going to drink. With this drink, we are going to do it's mostly two components. It is vodka and it is So um, it is a, what I have here is from Dole. It is orange strawberry and banana. So you can get this from Dole. You could probably get this for some other places, uh, Tropicana or something like that. So it's going to be um, two parts, the orange strawberry banana, and it's going to be one part the vodka. Then we're going to shake that in a shaker, and we're going to pour those in martini glasses, and then we're just going to pour a little bit as a floater of a little bit of sparkling cider on top. This drink is called Rigged Election. So it is sort of themed, and it has a reason for that. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pour... For, for a regular drink for you at home, it would be four ounces, uh, or maybe... I'd probably suggest about three ounces of the juice to two ounces of the vodka. So that's about what we're going to do here. I'm going to pour that into my mixer, this 100% juice orange strawberry banana.
2: It sounds delicious.
1: Problem is, is with the juice is a little bit thick for being shaken into a martini like this. It would be more of like uh, on the rocks drink. So like if you have a you can imagine a screwdriver orange juice and vodka you wouldn't really want that shaken up and poured into a martini you just want that on on the rocks
2: well you could stir it instead of shake it
1: but um and then i'm going to put in my vodka the vodka we're using this week is called cox and roe it is an american vodka
2: where did you get that
1: from this was a double gold medal winner at the spirits award in san francisco it's been in the freezer so it's nice and frosty i got this at total wine and spirits for 20 um and i was watching something recently about vodka that in most aspects the difference between a $20 bottle of vodka and a $60 vodka is really nothing. Just get the $20 bottle vo- of vodka, especially if you're using it for making a drink. Um, because the goal of vodka is to be colorless and tasteless and favorless, flavorless. I guess tasteless and flavorless is the same thing.
2: And favorless.
1: Um, I would say, though, that there is a difference between the $20 bottle of vodka and, like, the $9 bottle of vodka, because those $9, they just taste like, you know, Good. slush. Yeah.
2: I would agree, because uh, my family would always say that, too. It's like, if we're just going to be mixing drinks... Then just get the cheaper vodka because it doesn't matter. You're not going to be tasting the vodka anyway. Same
1: thing with tequila. You don't want to get a fifty dollar of tequila uh, and and make margaritas with it because no. tequila, a good tequila, as Portland Mike would tell you, is considered almost like a good scotch or a good whiskey. You want to sip on it. You don't want to shot. You don't want to do shots with it. You don't want to make margaritas with it. Maybe squeeze a little bit of lime in it, if anything. But basically,
2: I think he would say maybe just wash the the rim yeah. of your glass with the lime.
1: So I'm going to go ahead and pour this and you talk even and then I'll float the cider on top.
2: So he's walking over to the martini glasses. And you're putting champagne on it? No, it's cider. Oh, cider. Okay. Well, it looks really delicious. What kind of a cider is it?
1: Martinelli's sparkling apple cider.
2: Very nice.
1: You know, I what kids drink for New Year's Eve. Thank you, sir. There you go. And what are you going to drink to?
2: Um, the balloon races are coming up, which is kind of a start of fall for me. Mm-hmm. And we have a friend, uh, to do for fall and I will be doing the ground crew for United Federal Credit Union's Balloon on Friday so I'm super excited.
0: Cheers.
1: Cheers. So yeah, this drink I can't recommend. I think what it is is the banana.
2: Banana is very overpowering.
1: In this drink cocktail. If I could have just got orange juice and strawberry juice, um, it would have been different.
2: Maybe we should have just uh, pureed some strawberry or something.
1: So this drink rigged election, I don't recommend making. It's not horrible. Just don't drink it. Um, I kind of wanted to add banana because in the movie Election, he talks about apples and oranges and and bananas. bananas. So... I tried to come up with a drink based on apples, oranges, and bananas. and
0: Well, you did.
1: And honestly, yeah, it's, it's a hard drink. Maybe, um, on, uh, you know, if I was going to redo this drink, I would make this a rum drink. And probably include the lime. Ditch the vodka. Well, anyway. Maybe I'll make a Rigged Election Part 2 next time. And it will be made with um, maybe like a, a golden rum
2: Well, the juice will be good for smoothies in the morning.
1: All right, Uh, let's head into feature presentation. Finally. So we do have two movies here in future presentation for our back to school theme, and these films are separated by four years, which makes one like a freshman and one like a senior, and that's how I kind of look at it. I know Heathen and I are gonna have some disagreements, but um, when we get into Clueless, I have always disliked Elisa Silverstone, and I still do, and it was really hard to rewatch this film. But let's start with some background information. Let's start with Clueless, which was the first one on 1995. So 1995, that means in July, this movie just celebrated its 20th anniversary. So that is kind of reason enough to revisit it. I don't think I've seen it except for when it first came out. Um, some little parts of it, I remember it being on TBS and channels like that every once in a while. And I would flip through and then quickly skip past it. Um, so let's see. What do we want to say about Clueless?
2: I've watched it about six or seven times.
1: This is probably my second time. And it, <laughs> uh, hopefully the last... Uh, during the game of suck and blow, the cast was unable to sustain the breath to make a real credit card pass from mouth to mouth. So, if you know the game suck and blow, or if you if you've seen the movie, you know it. It's where someone has something on their mouth and they have to pass it on to the next person. So they suck it onto the mouth and then blow it onto the next. Anyway, a credit card was too heavy for. Um, them to, to be able to do that. The cast members couldn't do that. So then they changed the credit card into a prop credit card made of cardboard. They still couldn't do it. Then they drilled holes into it to try to make it a little bit easier. That still didn't do it, so they gave all the cast members like really glossy chapstick to finally get that scene done.
2: Oh, I thought it was just um like uh, cards, like playing cards. That's what we used to...
1: Yeah, I don't know why the cast members couldn't do it. I've never done this game, but it, uh, I That's think... That's retarded. I think I did something like this in like junior high, and it wasn't, well, it wasn't too hard. Um, it's good to be me. One thing, and again, it, it shows that this was maybe some sort of typecasting, but Elisa Silverstone did not know how to pronounce Haitians in the classroom scene where she's giving a speech about Haitians. And the director, I believe the writer-director, Amy Heckerling, told the crew not to correct her because she liked it so much... That she wanted to leave it in the film that, that Lisa Silverstone uh, couldn't pronounce Haitians. There was a lot of actors. Of course, in '95, none of these actors were anything that auditioned or were almost in this film. Um, Terrence Howard, he's he's a pretty big actor. We know him now on Empire. He was also the first uh, roadie in Iron Man. He was in 8 Mile with Eminem. He auditioned for Murray. Jeremy Renner. Uh, Audition for Christian and Josh. Zoe Deschanel, or Zoe, sorry, Zoey. Zoey Deschanel uh, for Amber and Cher. Owen Wilson for Travis. Um, Seth Green, as you know him from Robot Chicken and, and a lot of those films, for Travis. Lauren Hill, we know her from uh, music. She auditioned for Dion. Um, also, uh, Paul Rudd himself auditioned for like every male role in this in this film as well. So uh, Dave Chappelle was was in talks to do Murray. I don't think he auditioned, but they just talked to him. And I was reading, Alicia Silverstone didn't even have to audition. So I think her dad was a casting director or something like that. Maybe that helped. Uh, and, you know, as much as I hate the movie and I hate her, like she did do a good part in that fil- in that role. It launched her career for about four years till she departed into nothing where she belongs. Um, so this film is pretty much you know with obvious uh, modernizations and adaptations is um a a match or a homage or an update of jane austen's emma including all of the characters one thing i was interested in seeing because i wanted to see what did happen to Elisa Silverstone because i don't remember her after that horrible batman and robin movie um a lot of people were in that and they continued on even though it was a shitty movie george clooney arnold schwarzenegger but Lisa Silverstone didn't make it. So I decided to do a where are they now search mm-hmm. to see where some of these people were. So Lisa Silverstone, since playing everyone's teenage idol, I don't know, not my teenage idol. I copied this from People Magazine, so I just want to tell you that this isn't my teenage idol. Silverstone has starred in a wide range of films and TV shows, including Batman and Robin and Vamps, which reteamed teamed her with writer-director Amy Heckerling and guest-starred on um, Sub... Subur- Suburgatory, which reunited her with Clueless co-star Jeremy Sisto. She recently starred in the off-Broadway production of Good of Good Stock, so she couldn't even get on Broadway. She was on off-Broadway. In addition, she's a passionate animal and environmentalist, uh, rights activist, and runs The Kind Life, a lifestyle website dedicated to vegan eating and environmental awareness. So I kind of like that, as long as she's not the weird kind of hippie. Um... <laughs> she married musician christopher Jericho in 2005 and they have a son named bear blue in 2011 it's interesting name for a son uh stacy dash who played uh, her best friend um one interesting thing about stacy dash is so paul rudd was supposed to be about
2: which best friend
1: uh dion
2: dion okay
1: so paul rudd is supposed to be about four or five years older than them about four years older than, than them
2: he's like 10
1: and well no in real life stacy dash was three years older than paul rudd um because hmm. paul rudd always looks like he's 26 and stacy dash pretty much even recently i mean she still looks hot she was
2: well, black doesn't crack
1: she was she was she was good looking in the film and she st- and she pretty much stayed that way um so there was a spinoff to the Cluelo- Clueless um, movie. There was a Clueless show that ran from 96 to 99. Did you ever watch that, Helen?
2: I did. I didn't like it.
1: So most of the actors, other than Elisa Silverstone, uh, did, go to that, did go to that show. So Stacey Dash went to that show. She kept busy with some film projects, View from the Top, TV shows like The Game. I think that was an MTV show, if I remember correctly. Music videos. She was in Kanye West's All Falls Down. And 2013, she launched the web series Stacy Dash Is Normal," and she frequently appears as guest commentator on Fox News. And she has two children, 25 and 12. Imagine that! I don't really. It's interesting that she's a commentator on Fox News. My, my one of my recent jobs, I always had Fox News on, so I would watch it. The only reason I'd ever watch Fox News it's it's entertaining. So
2: 25. How old is she then?
1: Well, that's why I said she's three years, three or four years older than Paul Rudd, and Paul Rudd's in his forties.
0: Hmm.
1: So, Brittany Murphy, she was the one that we talked about last week, and I couldn't remember her name at first. So uh, as her breakthrough role as the bubbly, naive Ty, and she she was one of those actresses. I don't think we talked about this on on the podcast, but off the podcast I was talking to Heathen about certain um, actresses and actors that after a few years actually start to look better. So I think she was one of the ones that that definitely went on to, to look way better than she did in this movie. Um... So she went on to go in roles in 8 Mile, Uptown Girls, Just Married in Sin City. She also had a budding musical career, which I don't remember about. She had a dance single with Paul Oakenfield, Faster Kill Pussycat, which reached number one on the Billboard dance charts. Uh, She married writer-director Simon Monjak in 2007, and as we talked about on the last podcast, she died tragically in 2009, technically of cardiac arrest at age 32, but most people don't go into cardiac arrest at age 32 unless there's other kinds of things going on. In this case, complications with drugs, I believe um occasionally there's some football players i think that have heart attacks at a young at a at a young age because they're just um, they're so big and it's hard
2: have had some heart issues that nobody knew about possibly
1: but from what i remember from the story is there was some drug stuff going on um donald fazen um this was he was the one that played murray one thing i thought was interesting about uh, when i said paul rudd read for all of the parts he thought that murray he didn't realize he was a uh, uh, I'm supposed to be a black dude and he thought it was like a white guy trying to be a black guy, and that's how we auditioned for it. Which, you know, could have went that way. So uh, Murray, in true Murray fashion, he followed his on-screen girlfriend Dash to the clueless spinoff. He had small but memorable roles in Waiting to exhale Uptown Girls and Josie and the Pussycats. He became famous for playing Dr. Chris Tuck on Scrubs for nine mm-hmm. seasons. Uh, he currently stars on the TV Land sitcom, The Exes, and hosts the TBS comedy sketch show, Who Gets the Last Laugh? Last couple. This one, I'm not as interested in. I didn't include everyone. But Elisa Donovan, um, after coining the iconic, iconic hand gesture for whatever, near the beginning when she does the W when they're doing the debate. Donovan uh, did go on also to the TV show to reprise her role. She starred in films like Night at the Roxbury, Beverly Hill, uh, TV show Beverly Hills 90210. She played Morrigan Cavanaugh on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She also played Joey Fatone's love interest in the music video, I Drive Myself Crazy. She now blogs about parenting for people, among other things. But And then Breck and Meyer. I think this is one of those guys that you recognize him a lot. You're not always sure from where and you don't know his name. I... I, uh remembered his name after seeing it. Um so he was the one that he finally left the grassy knoll. Meyer continued to play slackers and stoners like Travis Birkenstock for a while until his breakthrough in uh, Road Trip. He then starred in Rat Race, Garfield, Ghosts of uh, Christmas Past. He spent three seasons on the TNT Dramedy Franklin and Bash, which also stirred starred um Preppy. I can't remember uh what's his name? Mark Paul Gosler, you know from saved by the bell they were like a lawyer duo on tnt um in addition to act this is what i thought was interesting most people probably won't care in addition to acting myers an accomplished musician and he drums for tom morello's side project the night watchman tom morello's the guitar player for uh ragingist machine so i thought that was interesting so let's go through i guess election real quick i don't have as much to say about election one of the things I think is more interesting about Election, this is directed and written by Alexander, well, mostly written, at least directed by Alexander Payne. And Alexander Payne, almost all of his movies, if not all of his movies, take place, take place in Nebraska. And I think that's interesting when directors do that, like Martin Scorsese, all of his films are in New York. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, all of his films are like in the outskirts of L.A. Um, so like we recently, or got nominated for an award, the, the film Nebraska. Uh, Mm -hmm. He directed that. So election does take place in Nebraska. There is a part uh, when they show a newspaper article that if you pause it and look at it, it does say, if you've paused the film in order to read this entire article, your time would be better spent renting Citizen Youth from your local video store. Do you know how hard it is to write these fake uh, news stories for uh, newspaper movie props? I've got better things to do. Um Apples are featured prominently in the movie, like we try to edit for a cocktail, usually before trouble arrives for a character. They're used as an analogy to entice Paul Metzler to enter the election. An apple tree is shown before Mr. McAllister is stung by a bee. Apples hang from mm-hmm. the doorway to Mr. McAllister's living room right before he discovers his wife knows he's cheated on her. And Mr. Ms. McAllister wins the Apple Teacher of the Year um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. The Spanish teacher... And this film was actually a Spanish and French teacher for Alexander Payne while he was in school. So it was one of those things where he just went and said, hey, you were my teacher. Why don't you come be a teacher in this? There's a That's cool. This movie was based on a novel which came out in 1941. It was, of course, updated. The 41 novel is called What Makes Sammy Run. And in the novel, an older writer watches a young... Uh, male Sammy Glick rise through the ranks of New York journalism and then eventually the old Hollywood studio system so they updated it instead of journalism to be about a school election which I think is pretty cool there was a different ending for this film originally they reshot it uh, the original ending was closer to the novel it featured Mr. McAllister working at a car dealership and Tracy going to visit him before she leaves for college um And then I'll save that last one. So let me go to some of the topics. So both of these films, in a couple ways, dealt with popularity. um, With uh, Chris Klein's character being very popular, and one of the reasons he starts to get votes, and he's the captain of the football team. This is from Election. And then, of course, Cher and her crew being very popular. So, how do you think... The power of popularity worked in these films. How do you think it was different? How do you think it works in real life? And how, what do you think was the motivation of the characters in these films, and how they wanted to use their popularity?
2: Well, I think it was very typical for, um, you know, like the the popular, um, pretty girl. For clueless, um, the popular football player for election. What was interesting is that um, the football player really had um, everybody else's best interest instead of his own. It which almost I really liked like okay like we were talking about um, more of a. A Buddhist mentality?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say is it didn't seem like he tried to be popular or welcome the popularity. It came to him based on his personality and what he liked to do, where in Clueless it was all about being popular and making sure like you weren't allowed to talk to certain people. You weren't allowed to do certain things.
2: Right. But in Clueless, um, she really kind of figured out like she she did want to help people. And then she figured out by helping people she created a monster and then realized, oh, that's not who I really want to be.
1: But do you think in the beginning she really wanted to help someone or was it as Paul Rudd's character told her that no, she it was, was more just part of a project trying. but
2: she was still naive.
1: Mm-hmm. She was still clueless.
2: Yeah. But she wasn't she wasn't like, a, a normal, uh, preppy, rude chick that you would see in school.
1: Not too much, but again, as or as Paul Rudd said, is how much are you doing this to help yourself, which pretty much all of it was. Like, she was doing a lot of things, like her setting up the teachers, but she was doing that to try to raise her grade. She wasn't doing that just from the bottom of her heart.
2: I understand that, but... Like in a normal school setting, um, girls are are not that uh, quaint about it. They're ruthless, and they're they'll tell you.
1: They'll tell you what?
2: <laughs> um, they're just rude. Like right off the bat. Instead of I mean, she's was, she was she's still pretty quaint about it. Like she's, um, she's kind of hoity-toity about it. Like she's not. Saying um, you're white trash and I'm gonna fix you up, she's putting that more tactful about it. Yeah,
1: because she still she still struck me in a lot of parts Uh, like the popular people I went to school with. Like you can't talk to them. We can't go to that party. We can't go to a party in the valley. Okay, we'll we'll go to make an appearance. Mm -hmm. Like it was all about appearance all the time, and you couldn't be because I had.
2: But she didn't go up to the people in the valley and go. No, because. but no because you don't do that
1: you just that's don't show what
2: up a lot of high school people would do uh
1: well maybe there's in a my difference experience between tactfulness in and my experience they didn't do that but um but i'm sure that they do because it makes you look not good when you do that because mm-hmm. you're uh they were more two-faced like oh this is so great and then turn around and be like uh oh, this is really shitty yeah so going along further down that thing we uh Speaking of Nebraska. So we had Omaha. And then we had Beverly Hills. Um, definitely a stereotypical t- kind of take on Beverly Hills kids. And Omaha was more of a good old Midwest kind of school. That the biggest thing that ever happens is school elections. What do you think these movies told us in general about these students? And how true to life do you think that is? You went to school basically and well... Near, Be- near Beverly Hills. How close to... True life was that? And, and nearly around that same time.
2: Um... It's pretty true. Did and the, then... They have
1: a bunch of girls with like nose jobs in the classroom. And no one wants to participate in PE. And everyone has excuses and...
2: Uh... No. No. Not at Westlake or in Incline. No. Um... If they did, they were out of school for a period of time.
1: I had a rich school in my district. There's only three schools in my district because I grew up in a small place, or maybe four schools now. And in the rich school, um, you could tell because I got dropped off there once um, on a bus for some reason. And at my school, in the student parking lot, you would see Toyotas and Chevys and Corollas and you know, like I drove an 81 Corolla. A lot of cars like that. When I got dropped off at the Ritz School, whole parking lot was just like Beamers. It's like, oh, how nice. Like, not one shitty car in the whole parking lot.
2: Yeah. Well, at Westlake and an in Incline, it was a, a mixture between really expensive cars and um, four-wheel drive vehicles.
1: Well, it's still expensive. I mean, maybe not as much as a as no, like a Mercedes. It will but
0: cost $1,500. So.
1: so going on with these characters, both these movies did have a, a gay character. So we had um, the sister in Election. Uh, I can't remember her name. And then um, kind of shares Crush for a while in the movie. Can't remember his name either. How do you think that the films approach these characters differently and was this like ahead of the time or with the times or was did they approach these respectfully with the time period in mind 95 and 99 or did they you know was there anything interesting about what, the way they they approached these two characters
2: well i think um i guess at the time it wasn't something that was really spoken about or addressed so much. Um, so it was lightly tapped upon.
1: Seems to me, if I remember right, and I may not, that there was a lot more male... There was a lot of male gay characters around this time, like My So-Called Life, The Claire Dane Show. She had a gay best friend who was a guy, um so it wasn't too big of a surprise and in clueless the guy was pretty stereotypically gay and there he was he dressed well he danced he was into art that's like the stereotypical gay guy where in election it was a female character which didn't seem like was tackled as much in comedies and popular media at the time and to me was a little bit more realistic like she even, she said, she has a line in the movie saying, I'm not a lesbian, I'm just attracted to the person. It just happens to be I've only been attracted to the female so far. Mm-hmm. And she was like 15 or something. Well, I guess Christian, that was his name, Christian in, uh, in Clueless. I guess he was only yeah, 15 or Christian. 16 as well.
2: Um, I can't remember her name either. That's she, just,
1: it. she just struck me as so much of a more realistic character and more of an interesting character where... Most of the actors in Clueless, almost all of them, struck me as very wooden and not very good at acting. Like It was hard for me, not just Elisa Silverstone, who I really don't like. Her voice is horrible. Her mouth is horrible. Everything about her is horrible. But they were all such bad actors, too.
2: They were just playing the, the rich people. And that's what's kind of fun, is just to like lose yourself and pretend
1: so we were talking about so then in an election there's three people going up for election there's tracy flick played by reese witherspoon then there's uh paul metzler played by uh, chris klein and then um paul's sister can't remember her name she decides to run too for her own reasons and it turns out that she's really popular And if she wouldn't have been kicked out of school, she would have won. Because at the end, at the vote, there's more disregarded votes than both Tracy and Paul's. So Tammy, that's her name, Tammy, would definitely have won the election based on her campaign. And the reason I think this is interesting, going along with our election in 2016, but even going back, seems like there's been a constant theme in our elections that people don't want the same two options they want something new they want something different they want a different choice they're very disenfranchised and i think this even though this wasn't a theme of the movie election it kind of mirrored that that a bunch of people were it reminded me of how donald trump is now like donald trump is a huge ass he's an idiot he's failed at everything but people really like him because he speaks his mind. He's different. He's not afraid to step out and say, like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Where that's where Tammy was in the George
2: movie. George Bush, the second, failed at everything, and he was the president.
1: Yeah, but also a lot of people didn't want want, want to choose him. Uh, the A better comparison, I would say, would would have been Obama. Just because Obama really sold the... I'm doing something different. I'm doing a change because well, I, I understand all,
2: what you're saying. Because right now, it doesn't matter what election happens, half the country is going to be upset every single time. not, not every it's single time. It's always forty-nine to fifty-two.
1: Not not always.
2: It has been for the last fifteen years.
1: But what happens a lot is there is a lot of people that don't like either choice, and that's why Democrats lost for a while because people like Nader and other third-party candidates um, we're pulling votes from the Democrats. And, you know, this might end up happening eventually with Republicans if they get a strong libertarian party or something like that. Anyway, we're not, we're not talking about politics. I'm trying to talk about is that there is an attraction to people that someone says that person's telling the truth. They're not running a campaign. They're not playing a character. And that's why I was trying to say that Right now, there was a recent poll that showed that if there's an election now, Donald Trump would beat Hillary Clinton, and that I don't think that'll happen. But that's really surprising. But in the film, election it was the same thing. Like Tracy Flick said, "How can this person even run? She's a sophomore, and she's not qualified." And even qualified. in even in that person's campaign, she's like, "I don't care. This won't change anything. Vote for me. Don't vote for me." And people really responded to that because it was it was candid and that's what i was saying is a lot of in real politics every year candidates come out and try to say we want to change we want something new but no one ever believes it but i think that's part of the reason obama won is people believe his campaign managers with the believe poster and the change i think that that really helped that people finally thought that there was like an outsider uh that was speaking from the heart
2: well did i do think he did change a lot um we're not talking about that i know i'm just addressing your statement um but i i do agree that if you just throw out a statement people want to believe that that's gonna happen
1: also, if you, peek, if you speak to people individually in a way, like uh, was it Hunter S. Thompson that, that won for office in Colorado and won it because he just went for all the people that don't normally vote? Again, similar to Obama. He went for the fringe vote is what they called it. And when I was younger, um, I thought I could do that in something like El Dorado County as I felt I could go to someplace small like that and go after all of these kids that live there, younger people that would never vote because in a county like that, it's basically a retirement county. Everyone's 60 years old. Um, but there's still a lot of kids and younger people and professionals that just don't have any investment in there that I felt I could go in there and say, hey, you're not going to vote. Why not vote for me? Hey, you're not going to vote. Why not vote for me? Because I'm interested in you. This 60-year-old dude doesn't care about you. He doesn't. He's not even going to campaign towards you. He doesn't even think you're going to vote. He's not even going to look at you.
2: I didn't vote for Obama, and he still won.
1: Well, good thing your vote—your vote's not worth ten million votes.
2: Well, I still voted though,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm still happy. So,
1: did you see any other parallels between the movie and what's going on now?
2: Uh, saggy
1: pants.
2: What? Saggy pants. What's that have
1: to do with the presidential race?
2: Oh, I was just talking about, like, things that are happening now. People are still walking around with saggy pants. Well, I was talking Uh, about elections. Oh, I'm sorry. So... I was going to say teachers are still sleeping with their students.
1: I could definitely see Tracy Flick as as a Hillary Clinton, although she really reminds me. I wonder how much um, Amy Poehler took that as, like, influence for her character for Park and Rec. Um, very similar characters after seeing election again. Um, Chris Klein definitely could have been a, maybe Bush the second, just not very savvy, not very smart, not very good at a lot of those things, just very likable, which can win elections. I've read a lot of books about, um, the Gore Bush race and why Gore lost. And it comes down to, a lot of it they said if this if that election would have happened in japan gore would have won but because americans really like personable people that they can relate to they don't care about logic um there's a book over there actually called political minds that that talks about that and they talk about debates where they said americans respond more to emotion than to logic and in, in debates gore would pull out a lot of facts and bush would say well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know so much about numbers, but what I do know,
2: uh, I think, over one. I just don't think they counted the absentee ballots, but that's just my opinion.
1: Well, they do, um, just like they do screenings for movies. They do, um, like, what do they call it, like uh, public polls based on who, what people thought that they won on debates. So, uh, a very famous example of that was. The um, Kennedy-Nixon debate, which was the first televised debate, but a lot of people didn't have TVs. Everyone that heard it on the radio thought Nixon won. Everyone that saw it on TV thought that Kennedy won. Because Nixon was much more logical and to the point, but Kennedy was just a handsome guy. Um, very charismatic, good to look at, where Nixon just looked kind of sweaty and shifty. Anyway, getting a little bit off topic. So... You already brought this up a little bit. Um, in Clueless, in the film Clueless, what did it mean to be Clueless in the beginning and in the end?
2: Well, I don't think that she understood. Who's what, she? Uh, Cher. Uh-huh. I don't think she understood what. Um, so, her you're about, meant. so you're talking about. So you're talking about.
1: Talking about the end?
2: in the beginning okay I don't think Kara underst- I don't think she understood what her status meant and um, I think in the end she understood a little bit more about herself and I think she was much more humble
1: so to me the beginning was that Ty the Brittany Murphy character that was on those clues they even say you're totally clueless And they don't want her to stand out. That's where she kind of, as you said, is sort of selfless, selfless, comes in, doesn't want her to stand out, wants to show her the rules. They think that she's clueless, at least Cher does. And in the end, she realized that she, well, for a while, she's the one that's clueless because she really doesn't know that she's what she wants. And then she realizes at the very end that she's been clueless a little bit the whole time because... Apparently, she was in love with her stepbrother the whole movie and didn't realize it, which is just kind of weird to me. I don't really buy it. God, there's so much I don't like about this movie. <laughs> um, anything else about being clueless?
2: I thought you were, were you talking about, you were just talking about um, the redhead chick, the chick that died. Ty. Ty um that's two different characters Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah in the beginning she she, uh share uh said thought that ty was clueless she thought she was the clueless one that was their role for about half the movie was to give her a makeover teach her the rules of how to be cool how to do these things teach her how to talk teach her how to dress because she was clueless they say in the movie you're clueless Then later on, Cher realizes that maybe she was the one that was clueless.
2: Okay, I thought you were talking about something else. I'm sorry. All
1: right. Um, So, as I've mentioned, um, for some reason, and I was talking to a friend earlier today, I don't know exactly what it is, but Elisa Silverstone, like seeing her on a magazine made me angry. It made me want to punch her. She had like a face that just made me so angry seems like it should be sexy she has a smile that it just kind of goes down and up like a joker i just hate it but i was wondering if i'd grown past that because a lot of things there was things i used to not like and then i ended up liking them and then there was other things i mentioned often on the podcast there used to be a lot of like girls i have crush had crushes on when i was like 13 or 14 and then i was like oh i don't really understand why i like that now but after watching clueless i realized that i I hate her voice i hate everything about her i'm glad i never have to see her movie again and her career is washed up but there's other things like music i really uh used to dislike u2 very strongly and then they grew on me um uh, reese Witherspoon, who was in election i used to really not like her and then she grew on me and then i went back to watch the election and i was fine with watching her now so that was one thing that changed i went from disliking her to liking her to still liking her
2: i didn't really care for her performance in that
1: (laughs) you didn't care for it
2: no i i respect her as an actress um if that was my first experience of her i wouldn't have liked her as an actress only because it was very annoying
1: um i thought she played the part pretty perfectly it I reminded think she
2: me she did too it's just if of that a lot was of people. my first experience i don't think i would go and see her again or i would think that that was her mm-hmm. um but i have seen so much of her that i know that that's not her
1: i believe she also uh was in talks to play the part in clueless but she had a scheduling conflict um, but my question is, is there things that you hated that you ended up liking or things that you liked and ended up hating or things that you hated and you realize years later you still hate them after being re- reintroduced to them? Is there any, can you think of anything like that? Like some, or something grew on you or something you were really into when you were younger? Like a lot of people have examples of this, like music they were into when they were in high school. I really
2: like, don't like Rush. Okay. So. I never...
1: But that's been constant. It hasn't been like that went away and then 10 years later you finally heard a Rush song for the first time. And you're like, oh yeah, I still hate this. I mean, you hear Rush on the radio every week. It's not like it ever went away. Um. But a lot of people, what I was going to say is there's a lot of people that uh, listened to music when they were in high school that you Grateful, don't hear hear on the radio anymore. like
2: Grateful Dead and uh, Janis Joplin. Or what? Uh, two... A band and a singer that I changed my mind about.
1: For which, in which direction?
2: I used to say I'll be grateful when they're all dead. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, uh, I have changed my mind about the Grateful Dead. And Janis Joplin, Joplin used to drive me crazy until um, I listened to a lot of her songs that are not played on the radio.
1: Mm-hmm. I could see that. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say uh, a lot of people, especially from our time period, they, they have bands that they were really into in the 90s. I'm sure a lot of people would say Limp Bizkit, although I can't uh, find anyone that would admit that they want to listen to Limp Bizkit. But one guy told me um, recently, uh, Sugar Ray He's like, yeah, I used to really like Sugar Ray when I was in high school. I can't ever believe I like Sugar Ray. They're so horrible. I
0: like
2: Sugar
1: Uh-oh. Ray. Yeah, well, you would. Um,
2: well,
1: I'm just- Trying to think of some actors. Oh, for me, Ben Affleck. I, I used to really not like Ben Affleck at all. And I would tell people, I, I think he's probably a cool guy to hang out with. Like, he seems like a cool guy to go in and, and just... Because, you you know, he was always a guy who's always respected as a person. I didn't really respect him as an actor. And now he's, you know, he's grown on me on a, on a few movies. He it, it, it used to be one of those ones, not as bad as like Shia LaBeouf and some of these others, but like I would try to avoid him in most movies if I could. Ben Affleck.
2: And who's the Olsen brother that I really don't care for?
1: The one that the movie group just went and saw, No Escape, Luke Olson.
2: The broken nose. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care for him.
1: Or Owen Owen Wilson? Yeah. That's <laughs> what I meant when I call him. Because there's there's Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson's the one with well, the... Well,
2: because I just watched a movie with him today. Yeah,
1: Owen Wilson's the one with the blonde hair. Hansel, he's so hot right now. Hmm. I can't wait to see Zoolander 2.
2: No, I don't want to see that either. Hansel. And I don't really care for him. Yeah, I'd rather not see him either. So
1: Who? There you go. Who? Hansel?
2: the zoolander guy what's his name
1: he's so hot right now hansel
2: no he's the son of two comedians what's his name ben stiller yeah i don't really care for him either
1: yeah you don't care for a lot of things it sounds like you're racist
2: against white people
1: is there any well is there anything else you want to say about either of these movies a lot of things to to tackle any other comparisons you want to make? I mean, there's some obvious comparisons. I thought of that Matthew Broderick was like the first guy that never aged, and then Paul Rudd is like the new guy or the next guy that never aged, like ever, ever. Even even Michael J. Fox with his Parkinson still looks like he's 30. It's kind of interesting with some of these some of these white guys that that are turnish are eternally boyish looking.
2: I just I thought it was interesting that they were talking about um, teacher-student sex uh, with such an older movie. Yeah. Because I didn't see that movie. And
1: it was nominated for a lot of awards, and it was kind of surprising that I don't remember it um, being talked about as much. Well, I think the thing was is that would be harder for a movie like that to come out now because it's so talked about now where i don't think those stories came out as much then they were
2: just now coming out and it was very taboo and that's probably why
1: and there's just so many now um yeah i like how he described the teacher that does sleep with tracy as he he said he was just one of those guys that never wanted to leave high school so he became a teacher i thought that was interesting also the fact that matthew broderick's character or um was a history and current events and civics teacher basically like an ethics teacher and he's the one that ended up getting sucked down the wrong hole he was a three-time teacher of the year and just finally just something sent him into madness that's kind of weird how
2: by two pieces of paper that's so weird
0: well no
1: that's what ruined his life the two pieces of paper that's not what sent him into madness it was uh, a few things but he hated that student since the beginning like you even see him in the beginning when everything's going well and he's trying to call on everyone but her and then finally he's like all right answer the goddamn question and you know seeing it her from her point of view um she doesn't do too much that's wrong really other than ripping down the posters and i guess sleeping with the teacher but she really just wants to do really well with her life
2: but I can see from the teacher's perspective, you want to balance out the the questions and answers. Like, anybody else? Yeah, he, the question? he
1: just didn't like her, though. I mean, he didn't like her. That's why he said
2: that, too. And there was always somebody had their answer. Like, give me two seconds to think about how mm-hmm. to answer the question. That just
1: cracked me up again, uh, watching that. There's a lot of little parts that cracked me up about it. About yeah. it about how vigorously her hand was up in certain lines that, that uh, Chris Klein said during the movie. What else? Um, is there any way, so talking about that teacher relationship, Does is there any way that that related differently to the Diary of a Teenage Girl movie that we watched last week? Hmm. To me, I think it's different in that... Um, Tracy Flick had her whole her whole life figured out in a, in a certain way, again, reminding me of the Amy Polar character in Park and Rec, where the girl in um, diary of a teenage girl was just very unsure of herself and just really just wanted to fit in where Tracy Flick fledit into every single club that yeah, there was.
0: She
2: had a whole she had a whole different thing going on. She was on a different path
1: oh he keeps saying she all Diar- the time
2: sorry diary of a teenage girl
1: okay tony curtis i wrote down because christian his his two movies had to do with homosexuality i wrote down i hate alicia silverstone in a bunch of different ways on you've here you've
2: already said that 700 times
0: so.
1: <laughs> i know it's just it's like all over this uh oh the um mighty mighty boss tones was was in clueless and i wrote down that the singer looks like gary Busey, who i thought was interesting not always but the way he sang really and then and then i asked you are watching the movie why is there a guy on stage is that it's just his job just to do that dance over and over and over again and not do anything else it wasn't even a dance it was just like him bringing his different knees up to his chest is that his job on stage because they have horn players and trumpet players and drummers and guitar players and then they have a guy that just just dances Maybe. Hmm. Should ask Caprice. Alright, ready for your ranks? Yes.
0: The vibe.
1: So one of the things that Clueless is almost most known for is the slang and vernacular that it brought to it. Roger D. Bert said in a in a review, um, that the film walked the fine line between being idiotic and being like a um Don't know the word. I I wish I had the the slip of the of the of the review, but like a satire showing what what American youth is really like. And he said that they succeeded in this way, and a lot of it was the ridiculous uh, vernacular. So I don't know if clueless came up with all of these. They are credited with coming up with a lot of slang, although I'm pretty sure. That they did not come up with all of this because I really do. Rem- I, I know they didn't come up with some of these words because um, I was saying these before '95. So we'll rank. You'll rank these, and you decide how you want to rank them based on best slang or the most you use them, or or however you want to rank them. Just let them know how you're going to rank them. So slang use "adi" like like I'm out of here, um, like "adios" kind of thing buggin everyone knows that this really reminds me of the 90s because i don't they even say this they say this in a will smith song yeah it was like a will smith thing and will smith really reminds me of the of the 80s and 90s a betty which i think was almost reminds me of like the 80s and 90s you use this a lot in skate culture
0: well no Um, this is
2: this this was um the christian's reference and it was more like Mm -hmm.
1: a share says my mom used to be a betty uh, when she comes in and then she died tragically in a, uh, just a casual liposuction thing. But I've heard this all the time, you know, yeah. cause you heard, I think this might even go back like later, like surf Bettys, like the sixties.
2: But I thought he referenced her too as a Betty.
1: Like Betty Grable. It seems like something you would say, but, but, but Betty did come, become before them.
2: had the forties car, but anyway.
1: He he might have. I do remember him saying a couple things like "nice stems" and "knock a kiss on me right here." But but Betty, um, Lodi. Well, we use this a lot in high school. Lodi's someone that's loaded all the time. Does drugs. They're a burnout. I guess is was maybe an earlier or later expression in my school. We use Lodi and Jeepin. This one I've never heard before, and I had to look up.
2: Is that like rolling in Jeep?
1: No, Jeepin is when you're and and I knew what it meant after seeing the movie. I just had to look it up to be sure. Because she said who you've been jeeping out with. Jeeping means you've been stepping out on your man or woman. Because uh, Dion has the conversation about why is this hair extension in your car who you've been jeeping with. Oh, okay. So, all of these are are or were pretty common. Um, I still hear Audi nowadays. Jeepin, I, I've never heard. Maybe that's a Beverly Hills thing. So, how are you going to rank these? What's your basis?
2: Just by my... Humble opinion, I guess.
1: Opinion on what? On do you like them or just
2: that I like them?
1: Okay, starting. So I'm going to
2: go with Buggin. As what? Because that's just
1: as what number one. As
2: uh, no, number five. Okay. Um, let's see, uh, Lodi. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: And then we'll go uh, Jeepin. Okay. Because I think that's funny. Because I'm going to have to use that now. Um, Audi. Mm -hmm. Lotus Geo or Audi 5000. And Betty.
1: Betty would be my number one too. Because I still hear that. I still think it's kind of a classic slang. Um, You know, uh, they use Barney in the film too. My uncle used to call people Barneys. And uh, I could still see myself calling someone a Betty. Mm Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. still do. I out of all those other ones, the only the only other one I ever hear is Audi. Uh like I said, bugging seems so dated now. Um, but anyway, good list. Anything you have to add? There was other word there was other slang in the movies. Is there anything else you wanted to, to add? Riding the Crimson Wave and uh what was some of the other stuff? Uh Cake Boy. Cake was gonna be the the secret word. Which you wouldn't have gotten, but I didn't add Cake Boy. All right, let's go into Last Call.
0: Last Call. Looking at the
1: world the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man
0: who's made. Last Call.
1: Any last words?
2: No, not unless I want to quote the chick at the concert this weekend. Um, long skirt and a short jacket from cake like i think she got those lyrics wrong
1: all right well i was trying to kill enough time to get my movies for next week um i think we will be seeing i'm not sure what to prepare for next week i think next week is the one we'll try to do the double episode of dead poet society and school of rock and Billy Madison and Back to School. So prepare for both, all four of those movies if you can. And I'm not sure which will come which. I might have to do one or both of those podcasts on my own. All right, until next week, everybody. Why do dogs wag their tails? My goodness, I don't know why I have to do with this stuff. Keep it wet, everybody.
0: First, I'm the realest. realest Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Man, feel it And I'm still in the murder business I can hold you down Like I'm giving lessons in physics If right. 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 you want a bad bitch like this huh? Drop it low and pick it up just like this yeah. Yeah. Cup of Ace, cup of Goose, cup of Chris i heal something worth a half a ticket on my, on my wrist Taking all the liquor straight, never chase that Never stop like we bring an 88 back well, Bring the hooks in with a basic Champagne spilling, you should taste it
1: So great at filling up time for me. I'm very thankful. No never mind. Taking all of that out.